Mel Yummy Mummy Geriatric Mum? How the f*** did that happen? Hi, I'm Sally Wallace and welcome to my podcast, Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Why the name? Well, it's a label that I've been slapped with recently, so I've decided to embrace it. But don't worry, it's not all sore nips and stretch marks from here onwards. As a former radio presenter, public speaker, and someone who's a huge advocate of keeping banter alive, each week I'll be sharing life observations with a twist, random questions, subject matters that'll blow your mind, like, do we really eat spiders in our sleep? Am I the only woman who walks around with crystals in her bra? And... Why is it that my husband's clothes and socks are so much more comfortable than my own? All gripping stuff. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Something has brought you here today, and I think it's because we're on the same vibration station. Thank you so much for having a listen. I really hope you enjoy it. Well, hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome. How's your week been? Um, I hope you've had a good one. I'm not going to lie, I've had a bit of a crap week, to be honest with you. But don't worry, you don't need to panic. You don't need to switch off and think, oh God, this bitch is going to bore the crap out of me. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Listen, just because I've had a bit of a bad week doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to dump it all over you. That is not my style at all. Uh, This is not a pity party. I don't take part in any of that crap. Um, I've dealt with it. I've built the bridge. I've got over it. But I think... I need to share it. I'll be dead straight with you. I need to share it because you might be able to relate to it or it might be something that you're going through at the moment as well. You see, when I used to work on the wireless, oh yes, that's right. Um, There's only um, uh, so much I ever used to share about my personal life. I used to keep it very sort of uh, close to my chest. Like, uh, you know, there was, my husband used to tell me that I was a compulsive liar on the radio and I wouldn't go as far to say that. Um, I used to embellish things and make stories and I tell a story but then let's be honest I'd tell a story but then I'd make it like okay let's make it this way it's say for example the story was a horse I would make it a unicorn so it was a little bit more magical what I used to do is sprinkle some sally dust all over it and then just make it so much more interesting because I knew that life isn't that interesting especially if you're trying to tell stories so therefore you add little exciting bits into it uh, that make it all the more compelling and that's what I used to do so yeah I used to say that I'd gone away for the weekend and I hadn't <laughs> having a fabulous weekend in the lakes then I get this text message bing bing in the studio have you fuck you've been sat in front of the telly watching Game of Thrones <laughs> shush darling <laughs> right but yeah, there was only so much that I really used to share about my personal life. And um, I certainly didn't used to swear on the wireless. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> it's only here now I'm podcasting that I can say fuck or bugger. <laughs> and quite frankly, I enjoy it. Hey, listen, creative. I got told that swearing um, and a bit of potty mouth is actually a fantastic sign of creativity. And let's be honest, there's certain times that you need to express yourself when sausages or fiddlesticks just won't do and it's okay to tell somebody to fuck off when it's needed and I think we just need to kind of just remember that okay clearly not in front (laughs) not in front of our children oh dear mummy didn't say that luckily hang on cross fingers touch wood I don't swear in front of Roman um, because I can't bear the thought of that so yeah there's no potty mouth in front of my toddler and I'm really good at reining it in and I, everybody knows that I've got a mouth like a <laughs> like a sailor's lower deck um, and yeah it is uh, um, well my husband's a builder and um, and the one thing that I was always good at is I never used to swear on the radio 
ever. I never saw her on the radio in 14 years. And Okay, hang on. I might have accidentally said once, I think I was talking about the new Spider-Man movie. And I accidentally said, instead of Kirsten Dunst, I actually went, so you can get yourself to the cinema this weekend and see Kunsten Durst. <laughs> and then I like, literally apologised profusely, went, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry about that. That was obviously a slip of the tongue. And coming up next, Rihanna. <laughs> But it wasn't intentional. That was obviously like a big mistake. It wasn't intentional. Anyway, holy mothership, I've gone completely off track here. Um, so yeah, what I was trying to say is that I don't, I didn't ever used to really share anything that was uh, like too personal. I used to just try and keep my personal life quite guarded. Um, but no, this is the whole point I've done this podcast. So yeah, basically this week, um, we thought we'd conceive naturally. So like I was six days late and we were like, right, do you know what? We've done it. We've definitely done it. And then all of a sudden you go to the loo and I'm not going to be too graphic about it because I'll be honest, you, you know, if you're a woman, you get it. It's fine. Um, you, but you go to the loo and you're just like, oh, bollocks. And it is, it's just that, oh shit. It's that big sinking feeling when you go for a wee and you wipe and you're just like, shit, I thought we'd done it. And it is a bit crap. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm not throwing myself a pity party. I just I just know that there are women out there that will relate to this and just be like, yeah, I get you, Sally. I totally get it. Because it took me and Scott four or five years to conceive Roman. And we ended up going through IVF. We actually had something called ICSI in the end. And I will do a podcast about my whole IVF journey to have Roman because it's mega. But it will actually probably take me about four or five podcasts to actually do it because there is so much that goes into it. And not only that, when people go, oh, you've gone through IVF. Yeah, I've gone through IVF, but there's a whole different, it's, it's like, it's emotional. It can take its toll on your, like your relationship. Everything gets affected. Everything does. Um, so, uh, this, this, we're obviously trying for number two at the moment, um, which has been sort of in the process for around two years. Now, last year I had a frozen embryo, um, in the freezer. And around March, we decided to go for it. And we were like, do you know what? We're going to do it. Let's just go for it. So it took a while to get my body kind of functioning again. And I had to do a few injections and get myself ready to go. And then you have what's called a transfer day. And you go in for loads of internal scans and stuff. And and it sort of came to the transfer day. They obviously took the embryo out of the freezer. And I think there's a very small percentage of it not surviving because they need it to, to grow, to defrost and then start growing really quickly. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. So there's me freaking loaded on hormones. And I mean off my tits on hormones, waiting for this egg to be transferred, which didn't get transferred because it, it didn't survive. And oh my God, I just literally, it was, uh, yeah, it was like the biggest emotional roller coaster ever. I had to go for acupuncture just to sort my shit out because my head was just all over the place. And it wasn't because I was I wasn't hysterical um, because I think when you've tried for kids for such a long time, you become very matter of fact about things. I was a bit upset. Of course I was. But at the same time, I was <laughs> I was just like a yeah hormonal wreck. At one point, I was like a wild dog <laughs> looking for a mate. <laughs> And then, and then, and then I was like a, literally like a fat girl trying to try on clothes. <laughs> you know, when you go into a shop and you're like, oh, I can fit into that. And you get into the changing rooms, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, <laughs> you're trying to squeeze into it because it's not got enough lycra in it. <laughs> so yeah, I was up and down and up and down. 
But we've come to accept that um, if we can't conceive naturally, we are going to have to go through IVF again. Because yes, there is a potential, there is potential that we could conceive naturally, but I'm 43. And I'm very aware of that. So I've got low AMH. So my egg reserve is low. But not only that, I know for a fact that my age is going to be a bit of quality as well. So we've accepted that we're going to go for an egg donor. But because of COVID and all this craziness that's going on at the moment, we wanted to go overseas for an egg donor. And we can't get overseas at the moment. You can get egg donors in the UK. But from what I can gather, the list um, or the wait list is like two years or something like that. And then there's different regulations in the UK compared to what there there are overseas. So I think if I'm right in the UK, you can't anonymously donate an egg. Um, And then therefore, I think once your uh, child has reached 16, don't don't quote me on this, I might be wrong. I think that they can go and seek the donor and then once the child is 18, the donor can come seek the child. Well, I don't really want that happening. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. There'd never be any secrets about it because it's a gift as far as I'm concerned. But... Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. I don't know where my head's at with that at the moment, to be honest, but that's where we're at at the minute. That's where we're at at the minute. I think this week I've had a little bit of a head fuck. Um, I've kind of thought, right, okay, do you know what? If I don't do it now, we, we need to do it now because it's crazy, but my biological clock is ticking and time is against me as a woman. Scott, my husband, conceived until his 60s. But as women, we literally have, we've got a window and we have to take it. And it's... It's a shitty feeling. It's a really shitty feeling. And for a small period of time when I was trying for Roman, oh, fuck, I beat myself up so much. I like, not physically, but like mentally, I was like, oh, you dick, you should have done it sooner. And, um, you know, poor Sally, I really was horrible to myself. And, and um, and uh, I, you know, I look back now and I just think, God, Sally, give yourself a break. Because I really did. And you do blame yourself for a long, long time. And, you know, I could cry about it, actually. But, oh, my God, I'm going, I am going to cry. Hang on. Now I'm getting my shit together. <laughs> I think he's fucking hell, Sally. Get it together. <laughs> no, because, do you know what? I want to be honest. I really do want to be honest with you. And it is a point where you just, you know, you you, could, you do get these moments where you think, I should have had kids sooner. I should have had kids sooner. But actually, when? When could I have had kids sooner? I went to university when I was 19. And then I graduated when I was 22. And then I moved straight out to America. Uh, I moved back a couple of years after that. Then I got into the radio industry. And to be honest with you, I was single throughout most of my 20s. Um, and then, oh, well, hang on a minute. Let me just rephrase that. I had a few gentleman friends. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm going to share this with you. And it's slightly embarrassing, but I have to. <laughs> How can I say this? I had a dance card that had a number of gentlemen on there who would like to waltz with me, but we ended up doing the tango. Um, no, right, okay. So look, let's be honest. So yeah, I, I, I did, went to university. I moved out to America and then I thought, right, go, let's go for radio. So I lived in Bristol for like two and a half years. You just couldn't have had a relationship, like a permanent relationship anyway, because I was moving around all the time with the radio. Moved to Newcastle up on time for three years, then moved to Manchester just before my 30th. And that's when I met my husband. But throughout my my 20s I was throughout my 20s I was so I was just looking over my shoulder then because I thought I heard my husband walk in Scott and he'd be like who the fuck are you talking to <laughs> I'm just talking about all the wrong men <laughs> in my life no so seriously in my 20s I go, do you know what why am I whispering I don't know but I feel like I need to okay 
the day oh god the guys that i dated in my 20s were not the sort of men that you took home to your mother does that make sense how can i just okay here goes the men that i dated wouldn't have looked out of place in an episode of crime watch (laughs) (laughs) have you seen this man oh god he was at my house last weekend No, seriously, it was just bad. It was bad. But I don't know what was wrong with me. I I like to describe my 20s as being ill. I think I was ill. I was just jaded. I was really jaded. Like every, uh, I dated all the wrong uns. That's the way you describe it. I dated the wrong uns. Um, And these were men, let me, uh, I dated doorman. I dated a gentleman who I realised had a criminal record. I didn't know. Um, I dated guys who were compulsive liars, guys who cheated on me. Oh, just honestly, I was just so stupid, so stupid. But I was really young and, oh God, Oh, yeah, it was just I look back now and I have to laugh at it because it was that stupid. I mean, this is this is how bad it was. The point where my mates would go, Sally, he's an idiot. He's cheated on you. And I go, yeah, but it's it's okay. He's changed. He's changed. He's a really nice guy. (laughs) All of a sudden, I I, I became a therapist and wanted to fix these people. (laughs) What was wrong with me? What the fuck was wrong with me? (laughs) And I guarantee when now you go, oh my God, that was me, that was me. But we do this as women. We're like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, he's changed. He's changed. He's changed. He's a really nice guy now. No, he's not. He was with another bird last weekend, you stupid tit. So yeah, it was, there never was a right time. And I know everybody says, oh, but there never is a right time. And I understand that. But at the same time, having a child for me is a big deal because I wanted to always be, um, I always wanted to be a mum always and so when I had Roman it was oh my god I was hysterical I'm gonna I will tell my birth story one day as well because that's just hilarious in itself but I love the fact that I'm an older parent and I really embrace that because actually I was a bit of a selfish bitch in my 20s to be honest and I'm a very very different person now and I know that raising him now is the right time for me this is the right time for me I was even though the journey I went through to have him was shit Um, And it was hard and it was tough. But you know what? It's made me who I am today. And at the same time, I believe for me, and this isn't the same for everybody else, it's made me a better parent. 110% made me a better parent because I absolutely love every minute that I get to spend with my little man. And he has the dirtiest laugh like me. (laughs) No, really, he does. I will try and get it and record it one day because it's proper like... Coming out of a three-year-old's mouth, it is the funniest laugh ever. But as soon as he starts laughing, I just can't stop. That's it. I'm gone. And then he starts laughing at me. So, yeah, it is. It's the best feeling ever. So, um, it's, I suppose, trying for the second one um, and secondary infertility, it affects many, many women. It's going to be a challenge, but I'm not going to stop. There you go. I've said it. And right now, if you are at the moment thinking, oh, God, Sally, I'm in exactly the same position because, okay, I know women and I network a lot um, and I've got some fantastic female friends. But I know women who are going through IVF on their own. They've gone through sperm donor. I've got uh, friends who are currently, I've got a friend who's currently just gone through IVF and she's pregnant and she's keeping it to herself at the moment. So I certainly won't be mentioning her name. I've got another friend who's just gone through IVF and she's pregnant as well. Um, I've got a friend and she has been married for years. She's just hit 40. They've divorced. Her husband didn't want kids. And she's now saying, have I missed it? Have I missed my boat? Is this it? Am I never going to have kids? It stop it right there, girls. If you want to be a mum, you can be a mum. Okay, it just depends on how far you're going to take it. 
And I can tell you that from experience. So for me, I was going to become a mother no matter what. But I was going to exhaust every avenue it took to get there. So that meant IVF, ICSI. Um, I was going to, I'm going down the route of egg donor. Um, if that doesn't work, then we'll potentially look at adoption. But it's got to be for both Scott and I. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to physically have a child to become a parent, but it just depends how much you really want it. Seriously, I know people that are going for IVF and as soon as they get to injection point, they're like, oh, no, I can't inject. And that's fine. That's your journey. That's not a problem at all. But for me, no, I was not going to give in. I was not going to give in. I, I was determined, absolutely determined. And you keep your eyes on the prize. Um, um, I kept reading the secret, rubbing my crystals on my tit and uh, and look what happened. So, <laughs> so, yeah, stick with it. I don't think people talk about this enough. It's a really lonely place, you know, trying for kids. It's it can be because nobody's really talking about it. And it's do you know what the crazy thing is, is when you're at school or when I was at school anyway, um, you were never really taught how to make a baby. You were just taught how not to make a baby. And that is fucking scary if you think about it. So when I was at school, it was all about contraception and, you know, oh God, I remember sex education was hilarious. And it was just one of those really uncomfortable conversations with like the worst teacher they could have got as well, who had clearly a saliva spit problem um, and, and couldn't say menstruation very well. <laughs> <laughs> then you would get, oh my God, this is brilliant. <laughs> Then you'd get a moment where everybody's come. Can everybody come together, please, in the music room? And then uh, they go, Stuart, can you wheel in the television? And then the biggest television on wheels with the fucking massive VCR player would come in like, like that. And then you'd get to watch this incredibly graphic video of a woman giving birth. Holy shit. That is enough to put you off for life. But yeah, I, when I was a kid, the edu- I don't know what the educational system's like right now about sex education, but it was pretty crap when I was at school. And then I'm from the generation of um, career. You've got to go and get a career. Career women. Oh, yes. And this is not odd. Oh, you know what? I'm going to talk about Sandra. Sandra's my mum and I love her. And it's fine for me to talk about on this podcast because she doesn't listen to them anyway. I've already said to her, mum, have you listened to my podcast? No, because you'd be swearing in it and I don't want to hear that. (laughs) All right, mum, fuck off. Right. Okay. So Sandra's amazing. My mum, I love my mum. She's, she's honestly, she's an incredible woman. She's, uh, I won't tell you her age because she'll absolutely slap me if she does ever listen to this. But yeah, she, she's an amazing lady, my mum. She really is. But she's also a bit of an oddball. And that's probably why I love her so much. But being a parent now and having my mum as my mum, I've realised you're not going to change them. You're not going to change your parents. So you just accept them as the odd balls that they are. My my mum is wonderful, but she is crap at giving advice. Like, And she'll actually admit that herself. She's really shit. So say, for example, like I'm going for an interview or I'm going to meet somebody and it's quite a, you know, a, um, a quite a serious business conversation or something along the lines of that. And I'll go, yeah, mum, I'm just going against this meeting. Don't swear. And I hope you've got nice clothes on. <laughs> yes, mum. <laughs> Not be badass, Sally, get in there, <laughs> go crazy. <laughs> I will not go crazy, but, you know, to be super confident and then hold, hold your own. No, don't swear. And I hope you've got your lipstick on. Are you wearing lipstick? It does make you look a bit better. Put a bit of makeup on, Sally. OK, mum, thanks for that. Great advice. Love you. Love you. Bye bye. 
No, but my mum basically uh, really encouraged me to be a career woman. And hey, hang on a minute. I'm not blaming my mum. That's because my mum couldn't do what I could do, which is insane if you think about it. So my mum's generation couldn't do what I did in my generation. And now the next generation are going to have a whole load of different freedoms as well. My mum and dad wanted all four of us to go to university. It was something that they were quite passionate about at the time. But this is it. Even Things have changed, haven't they? I mean, even now, if Roman, when he's older, doesn't want to go to university, I'm really not that bothered. It's, it's, I see it in a completely different light now, education. Uh, I really do. But um, at the time... It was a really big deal that all of us were good to university. And we did. All four of us have got a university degree. Um, could I have tried a bit harder at uni? Yeah, of course I could have done. But I didn't. And so uh, that's just the way things were, to be honest with you. But it's quite interesting because my mum is wonderful in the fact that she was very pushy that all four of us went to uni and she realised that she didn't have a university education herself, so she went and got one. <laughs> so you have, you've got to give Sandra credit for that. Um, and in fact, we did help her a lot with her computer. She was crap on the computer, my mum. She still is today. My mum has got one of those concentration tongues. Have you ever seen one of these? Okay, so it comes from my granddad. I believe it's genetic um, and it's a tongue. It's, it, don't get me wrong, it's not something you stick on your face. It is actually your biological tongue that you stick out and then you sort of like stick it onto your top lip, over your top lip. Uh, so it's like concentration. So my mum sticks her tongue out and then a bit like a cow licking their face. <laughs> the massive snotty nostrils. <laughs> it's like that. It's like a big tongue that comes out and just sits on her top lip when she's doing something. And it's basically her concentration tongue. And there's lots of people that have them. My granddad used to do it and my mum does it as well. So I remember her sitting and like on the computer trying to type. And yeah, she she wasn't very good. My mum used to go, I I was trained on a QWERTY keyboard. I was very good on the typewriter. Yeah, mum, just let us type it up for you. Just sit there, mum. Come here, we'll help you. (laughs) Hey, it was an education. She did quite a lot of about sex at the time to be honest <laughs> do you know what right i have to say there's some cracking stories that i can tell you about my family um and one of them this is this is just the best my mum will kill me for telling this right so my mum was a ward sister for a number of years but before that she used to work she was a nurse she was a nurse for years and years and years and then made her way up to her sister and she was really good she was amazing my mum and I know that in fact I know a couple of her old colleagues listen to this podcast and they can certainly certify that my mum was incredible she was so kind and she was such a laugh with her patients but my mum worked in the glory days of the NHS that's what she calls it anyway it's not like it was when I worked there Sally and and I get that because my mum was hardcore and I don't mean that she was really ruthless she looked after her patients and she cared for her patients and literally my mum went above and beyond this is when you could take flowers into a ward and my mum used to dress up as a blue fairy because she used to work most christmas days she would dress up as a big blue fairy with like, honest to God, Christmas shit and tat. She loves it. She'd have flashing earrings on and she'd have like flashing shit all over her top and uh, all all the most garish makeup ever. Um, but she used to just make so many people smile and she was wonderful. Uh, she could go into a ward and organise it like you wouldn't believe, get everybody's rotors sorted out, look after all of her patients, make sure that her team were all good and her team were all sorted. And she would, she'd, she'd like, you know, how can I explain this? She'd be like somebody from ER. Do you know what I mean? Like give this person a 745 and a 5423 and a blah, blah, blah. And then she'd come home and then go and put her wallet in the fridge. 
<laughs> as soon as she got home, she was knackered. She was absolutely knackered, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know what? She worked her ass off. She worked her ass off, my mum, and she was she was just lovely with it. This is the best story, though, right? So once my brother was having a private tutor in the dining room. Right. And she, in our dining room, we used to have this like little hatch, like a serving hatch through from the kitchen to the dining room in our family home when we were kids. And it was the summer months and where we lived and we grew up in the middle of nowhere, right? In this little village. It was like 11 miles away from the nearest town. It was so remote. It was brilliant. Like literally about four or five cars used to pass down the lane every day. It wasn't that, well, no, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it was really remote and it was lovely. So you could leave your front door open. We had a, a nice drive and the dog used to sit on the doorstep with the cat and Nobody would nick your dog. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. You, you'd leave your car unlocked at night and nobody would touch your car. It was that kind of remote sort of feel to it. So it was really safe. So it was the summer. So all the doors were open in the house. She'd pulled up the driveway, but she didn't know that the tutor was in the dining room with Andrew, my brother. And so Zoe and I, it's my sister Zoe, and I were like, hi, mum, you're right. She's like, oh, I tell you what, kids, I'm knackered. I'm absolutely knackered. Come on, let's get some dinner going. So she'd go straight down the, so into the hallway, straight to the kitchen, bearing in mind the dining room is next to the kitchen. My brother is in there with his private French tutor. And she sort of squats down to get a pan out to put it on the stove. And as she squatted, she let out the most almighty fart. <laughs> It was like a, <laughs> it was a proper cheek clapper, like a full on, it was, and it echoed all around the kitchen as well. And all you could hear coming out the dining room was my brother going, oh, mom, I'm in here with Madame, oh, I can't remember what her name was, Madame Gazelle. <laughs> I think she's the little, isn't she the teacher from Peppa Pig? <laughs> My mum was absolutely devastated. She was so devastated. She didn't know what to do. She actually, I think she went, oh, oh, bonjour. <laughs> and then walked off. <laughs> she used to do, oh, do you know what? I could tell you some, this is a good one. Right, I'll tell you this one. Then I'm going to have to stop because otherwise I could just talk to, talk to you about funny stories about my mum all the time. But in the, um, in the mornings when she was rushing to work, right, we would obviously have to catch the school bus to go to school. And it was like a 45 minute school bus journey it was. So mum would have to go and mum's hospital was like 11 miles away as well. So she was obviously got all of her kit on to get out of the front of the house. And she's obviously trying to organise four kids at the same time. So she had a lot going on. And this is before mobile phones, before all of that crap. It was old school. This is when you used to answer your home telephone number and go, hello. And then you used to go like 754 Like you'd give the number out so yeah so it was like 80s and 90s i'm talking about now so we had the mum used to have a little mark ii fiesta which actually became my car it was my first car and so she used to leave it unlocked at night and leave the windows down on it in the summer because it was so lovely where we lived in the south of england so she'd left the windows open in the night and um and she'd gone outside the front door and we were like, right, mum, we'll see you later. Have a good day at work. She's like, right, kids, I'm off. Reverse down the driveway. And we were watching her. We were like waving her by. See you later, mum. Don't worry. We'll lock the house up. She goes, that, that school bus will be here in a bloody minute. Hurry up. It's like, yeah, love you, mum. Bye, bye. Anyway, she literally, you could hear her drive like not even 10 metres. like, And then she put it into reverse. Came back up the lane. And my sister and I were looking at her and we're like, Mum, what's wrong? She opened the door and next minute you just heard, Meow! That bloody cat! <laughs> the cat had slept the night in the car and she's taking him to work. 
I've just actually had a really crazy thought and I think I may have to get my mum on a podcast in the near future. It's um, It'll be a work in progress, but watch this space because if I can get Sandra sat in front of this mic, that will be comedy genius. That will definitely be a podcast worth listening to. But right, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, I can't tell you how grateful I am. The other day, I'd learned how to use my statistics on my podcast and I was blown away with people that are listening in totally different countries, like loads of different countries. I honestly couldn't believe it. So thank you for listening. But also thank you if you've taken the time out to send me a message to say that you've enjoyed it as well, because that just makes it all the more special for me, because I honestly love podcasting. It's my fourth episode and I'm really starting to get into it now. So It means the world that you're listening, you're enjoying it, you're relating to it and you're laughing along as well, because that was that was my intention when I first started this. If you want to get a hold of me, find me on Instagram. It's at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. And I'm on Facebook as well. Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. No, you know what I'm going to say. Reach out. I always appreciate a reach out, not a reach around. This is a family show. Right. Have a fantastic week and I will see you very soon. Thank you so much for taking a listen to my podcast. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum, where there's a link to the podcast that you can share with all your friends. After all, sharing is caring, and you and I are best friends now.